0: Welcome to the One City Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people draw closer to God by practicing the way of Jesus. We hope that your time with us blesses you and that you're able to see the invitations of Jesus to experience the love that he has for you. Father, we just, uh, we're just so grateful, God, that you are a God of tenderness, of love, of mercy. And, Lord, I don't know what these people here today are coming with. Maybe maybe hurts, maybe brokenness. Maybe they came in limping or tired and fatigued from life. But, Father, I just pray right now that your presence, that your living water would just wash over them, Lord. That you would cleanse, purify, heal, restore, rejuvenate. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just anoint us with your fresh anointing that you open our ears, our eyes, our hearts to what you want to say to us tonight. So Father, we just commit this time to you right now and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So one of my favorite saints of the faith is St. Augustine. He was one of the most brilliant minds and perhaps the most influential theologian and philosopher of the fourth century. He shaped much of Western philosophy and Western Christianity as we know it today. He was the Bishop of Hippo Regis, which is now modern day Algeria in Northern Africa. And he's viewed as one of the most important church fathers and doctors of the church. Many scholars and historians claim that Augustine's impact on Western Christian thought can hardly be overstated. Only the apostle Paul was more influential but even then, much of how we see Paul is generally seen through the eyes of Augustine. But the story of Augustine <clears throat> did not always start off as one who was a flawless saint with perfection and following Jesus. In fact, Jesus, uh, in fact, Augustine was an individual who had a life full of sin and failures and brokenness. In 397, he wrote The Confessions, which is considered the first autobiography in the West, where he goes into depth about life, you know, in brutal honesty about his upbringings, his failures, his struggle with sin. Gerald Sitzer in Water from a Deep Well writes, it's genius, referring to Augustine's confessions, comes, I think, from Augustine's ability to reflect so brilliantly on his own conversion experience which he wrote in the form of a prayer, as if he were having an intimate conversation with God about his soul's journey to God. Casting off the faith of his mother as a teenager, Augustine would sample various philosophies and lifestyles before realizing that only God could answer the deepest questions of his mind and satisfy the deepest desires of his heart. In spite of his mother's warnings, he lived the life of hedonism, associating with friends who boasted of their sexual exploits. His mother, Monica, would always pray for Augustine to encounter the love of Jesus, which would later take fruition, but only after years of struggle. Augustine indulged himself in physical pleasure, but it failed to deliver what it promised. No matter how much he enjoyed the lusts of the flesh, He always ended up wanting more. He strove for success, fame and recognition, but these two led to bitter disappointment. He discovered over time that he had become a prisoner to his desires and ambitions, which threatened to destroy his life. Now what Augustine truly desired was to know God. He writes in his confessions, I was pursuing after honors, wealth and marriage but you were laughing at me. Very bitter were the frustrations I endured in chasing my desires. But all the greater was your kindness in being less and less prepared to let anything other than yourself grow sweet to me. I think right here we're talking about how we have desires, we have these things that we are so drawn to, but it tasted like dust for Augustine. It it would just barely scratch the itch for a second before he was like, man, this isn't it, this isn't it. And it was out of God's kindness that he didn't allow satisfaction or contentment to come from this because ultimately it was God himself that God was drawing Augustine to. So as one scholar put it, Augustine after his conversion, he wasn't like the mysteriously serene convert But he was actually an anxious soul that was more inflamed than ever after he became a Christian. Even after his conversion, Augustine didn't attain this serene, peaceful life of rest that he desired. Instead, his saying yes to Jesus inflamed his soul as he became more and more aware of his brokenness and the inability for anything other than God himself to bring satisfaction. Many of us can relate with Augustine that our hearts are restless and our souls are longing for the rest and satisfaction that is deeply embedded within each one of us. Our culture and the times that we find ourselves is quickly becoming a breeding ground for anxiety, discontentment, apathy, and restlessness, anxiety, because it feels like everything around us has fallen apart. Discontentment because in a sea of never-ending options and choices, it always feels like what we have now isn't enough. Apathy because everything is so overwhelming that to numb ourselves is our first line of defense before we completely lose it. And restlessness because we know there is so much more and our hearts cannot rest until we find it. Friends, I have a firm conviction that there is so much more to life with God And just as God was not willing to allow anything to satisfy Augustine's soul besides himself, I think he's doing the same thing with us. He is less and less prepared to allow anything other than himself to grow sweet to us. God longs to free us from our compulsions, from the sins and things that promise us happiness, yet leaves our hearts without rest. The restlessness that many of us experience is ultimately a byproduct of living outside of our natural God-given design to be in relational union with Him. And until we surrender our souls and all that encompasses it, which is our heart, our mind, our body to God, we will always be restless. But what are some of the contributing factors in our life and culture that leaves us restless? One social commentator and theologian compares the culture surrounding us to a blizzard that causes disorientation and makes it difficult, if not impossible, to clearly see where we are going. We're being surrounded by a storm of consumerism, always needing the latest and greatest, success and accomplishments. It's not enough to work hard, we need to leave behind a legacy that will be etched into the pages of the history forever. The many forms of recreation and indulgences, and the endless number of options and opportunities that seem like whichever way you may go, you're bound to miss out on something else, right? That's the blizzard that's surrounding us. That's the culture that we're breathing. And like the tragic story of the person who stepped outside their home to go 20 feet to their backyard to the tool shed, and unexpectedly a blizzard rolls in and they become so disoriented that they can't find their way back home, and they die tragically within arm's reach of the front door, that's what the world is doing to us. It has assaulted us, causing us disorientation, making us unable to find our way back to our soul's home, which is God, leaving us paralyzed, frozen, numb, and disconnected from what Jesus promised in John 10, 10, of life and life to the fullest. Our generation is marked by restlessness a heavy burden of always needing more, more money, more things, more places to go, more goals to crush, more growth to happen, more you fill in the blank, and then I will finally attain happiness and peace. Unintentionally, many of us have adopted this mindset when it comes to our relationship with God, that we are not experiencing a radical life of intimacy and closeness with God, because we aren't doing enough or we don't have enough. So Ronald Ruhlheiser in his book, Sacred Fire, speaks about restlessness, and this is what he says. Ultimately, this life cannot give us everything for which we long for. We are always somewhat frustrated, unfulfilled, diseased, out of rhythm, and restless. And I would add, however, while we all suffer from restlessness, This is a disease that particularly inflicts the young, not just because of the overabundance of sexual hormones in the body, but because they are in a time of their lives during which they are tearing up roots and trying to plant those roots somewhere else. And being rootless helps inflame restlessness. That's why we see young people just going all over the places doing stupid stuff. But even as we age, it's not that these energies from our youth ever go away or disappear from us. Other struggles just set in, and they begin to overshadow them. As we grow older and make permanent commitments, take on more responsibilities, new struggles like disappointment, tiredness, boredom, frustration, resentment, those begin to eclipse and overshadow the issues from the younger days the disillusionment of life not going the way you have planned it can just as equally create dis-ease and restlessness and slowly harden our hearts as we become disappointed that there is not more that we haven't achieved more and that we ourselves are not more so augustine writes you have made us for yourself O god and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee He knew that we were designed and created to be known, seen, and loved by God, and our souls are seeking rest in God. We have been made by God to be in union with Him, and anything less than that will not satisfy us. Jesus in John 17, 14, and 15 says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. Guys, Jesus knows that our hearts are restless unless it's in God, because we're not of this world, right? Our souls are wired to seek and find God. But very well knowing this, he doesn't ask the Father to take us out of the world because God's plan for redemption is that we might be his agents of love in the world. But what he did ask was that we are protected by the enemy who manipulates and preys upon this vulnerability of ours that restlessness he preys upon the restlessness of our generation of our hearts by getting us sucked into the culture surrounding us which always overpromises and underdelivers and honestly these days the devil doesn't come wearing red horns and a pitchfork he comes wrapped up in what looks like a promise for a happy comfortable luxurious satisfying life full of pleasures, promotions, and upgrades. So by cooperating with the Spirit of God, we must be able to discern and see how the things in our life, even the good things like productivity, work, hustling, business, making money, accomplishing goals, can become the very things that the enemy uses to wedge a distance between us and God. Keep us busy enough and the devil doesn't even need to interfere because it basically does the same thing. As sin, it just cuts us off from God. If you're busy enough, you're, you're gonna, it's going to do the same thing. Just keep us disconnected from the Father. But these desires and ambitions are not evil in themselves. But when pursued apart from God, it can grow to become something that enslaves us. So Augustine, he knew about these desires and that when these desires get disordered, he writes this sin gains entrance through these and similar good things when we turn to them with immoderate desire since they are the lowest kind of goods and we're there, thereby turn away from the better and higher from you yourself o oh lord our god and your truth and your law but not only are we restless many of us even You know, even those of us in relationships or happily married, find ourselves becoming more aware of a loneliness that seems to linger around no matter what stage of life you may be in. You know, if relational union with God is original design, then it's only God that we can find ourselves being fully seen and known and loved. Anyone or thing outside from God, no matter how loving and amazing they may be, will ultimately fail to completely see and know you because it's just not possible which leaves us with this sense of loneliness that can seem paradoxical because we can be completely surrounded with community, with a wife, with a spouse, and yet feel this deep loneliness because you're, you feel like no one truly sees all of who you are. So friends, the question is, are you, are you guys feeling worn out? Are you tired? Are you disillusioned? Are you filled with uncertainty, doubt, or angst? Does any of this relate with you with this sense of restlessness, the nagging sense that there is so much more than what you are currently experiencing? Or maybe you're waiting for a breakthrough and you're hanging on to your last thread of hope on anything good ever happening. Well, I have good news for you guys. I have gospel for you. Jesus' invitation to you and your souls that are longing for rest is this. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The soul's home is in God himself because he is the origin, the beginning, the end, the source of all that is. In him we find rest for our souls and are seen by the one who truly sees all of us, who knows us better than we know ourselves and loves us unconditionally with every little quirk, flaw, and brokenness within us. He doesn't just tolerate and love you out of obligation he likes being with you he enjoys being with you and his response anytime we short fall short in life is i've already forgiven you and i won't stop loving you i've already forgiven you and i won't stop loving you i think this is why paul prays in ephesians that we may be strengthened by the spirit to comprehend the breadth the length the height and the depth of god's love for us because this is what the spiritual journey is all about the end goal isn't to become some self-enlightened person who knows a lot of stuff and is wise and successful and relevant no the end goal is to know the father's love through christ jesus by the power of the holy spirit so that we may love god with all of our hearts all of our minds all of our body our soul and our strength and that we may love others as we love ourselves guys the whole point is we want to let the love of God wreck and transform us into beings of love so that we can show love to a world that is desperately restless and looking for true love. But Jesus also understands the hardships. He gets it. He, he understands the struggles. He understands the disappointments and the seasons of life. He, he himself was tempted tested, and endured suffering and pain. And Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. I think so many of us kind of quickly kind of accept and embrace the divinity of God, of Jesus, but we, we, we are so quick to dismiss his human life. We're like, man, he was... You know, it's easy for Jesus to be like this because he was, he was God, right? But we have to also remember, like, the humanity of Jesus was a very real thing. He felt lonely. He struggled. He had heartbreaks from being disappointed, right? So much of that. And he knows just how restless we can grow if we're not firmly rooted and anchored in the Father's love because this world that we live in is hostile towards our soul. He understands how thirsty our souls are for the unconditional love and belonging and blessing of the Father. And so Jesus cries out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scriptures say, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Let anyone, anyone meaning, The guy who's been living out on the streets, ravaged by drugs and alcohol because of poor decisions he made throughout his life. Or maybe the college student who's been trying to figure out what to do in life and out of rebellion towards their parents has turned away from the church so that they can live a life of wild living and partying. Or the person who's been going through a rough season of life that seems like it's never going to end so their heart is filled with doubt and they wonder if God's given up on them, so they look towards their savings and retirement funds for security and comfort. Anyone, anyone, no one is disqualified from this. Jesus tells us that everything else in life, no matter how good it may be apart from God, it will always leave you thirsty, always leave you unfulfilled, always leave you discontent, always leave you restless. The invitation is there. He's crying out and calling today. He's looking for those who have had enough, who are worn down, disappointed, crushed by the burdens of life. And he is extending out his arms with gentle tenderness and compassion. Guys, we can't change and do this by our own strength and willpower. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us, to strengthen us, to lead us, and guide us so we may grow in ever-increasing trust and intimacy with him. I think for many of us in the church, this invitation to come to him for living water is something that's become a nice theological cliche and church saying, instead of actual power and transformation. I was meditating on this passage this week as I spent time in the mountains and I was really wrestling with this thought of, you know, when I'm not doing my best spiritually and I fall short, is the river of living water still flowing in and through me? And I thought about how mighty a river is. And if I were to throw some dirt into the river, it would just wash it away, right? Even a shovel full of dirt, just wash it away. Maybe even like a truckload of dirt, it would just wash it away, mighty river. And and it showed me, like the spirit showed me in that moment where it was just like, man, This living water, this river of living water flowing in and through me is not based on my own righteousness or perfection or how consistent I am. It will continue to wash away any sin that comes into my life because it is completely dependent on the sacrificial love of Jesus that defeated sin once and for all on Calvary. That's the truth. Even when I don't feel it, it's still flowing in and through me. And this is something that transcends our mind, our body, and our heart. This is in the realm of the spirit and the soul. This is a reality that's happening right now. A mighty river of living water is flowing through you guys. Galatians 5.25 says, if we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. If you look at the life of Jesus though, it wasn't a one and done filling of the spirit. He had to live out his day-to-day life intentionally seeking the Father's will going where the spirit led and doing what the heart of god was stirring in him through the spirit of god he modeled what it looked like to live moment by moment decision by decision by submitting to and obeying the spirit of god i think a lot of us forget that even jesus had to choose certain people to heal sometimes he healed the whole crowd other times he was just sent for one and it was wasn't because he didn't want to heal it was because he was attuning himself to Where is the Father leading me? Where is the will of the Father? You know, and I think that shows such humility, shows us like, man, like how much more do we need to live moment by moment, right? If we have this living water flowing in through us, we have to keep in step with the Spirit moment by moment. And in John 14, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going." And I love Thomas's response here because I think he accurately represents many of us today in our modern world. When he says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And just like Thomas, we suffer from a sort of spiritual amnesia, longing desperately to return home to the Father. And then to this, Jesus replies, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And oftentimes, I believe we read and hear this passage, we think how the scenario Uh, Applies to later in life when we die, right? Let's say yeah, Jesus is, you know taking us to a dwelling place in the Father's house You know one day in the future when we're in heaven But what if this invitation was actually for right now? What if because of the reality that we live under an open heaven that heaven is actually here on earth at this very moment? That we don't need to wait until death to experience life in the kingdom and what if this invitation is actually for today? That we can let our souls return to the Father's house and find the antidote to our restlessness. So that no matter what our circumstance or situation or struggle we may be facing, we can have contentment and joy, how Paul describes it in Philippians. Jesus says in John 17, 3, this is what eternal life is, that they may know you, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To know and love God isn't something that finishes when we get to heaven. It starts here on earth and continues on forever and ever. That's what we're wired and made for for forever increasing intimacy with the Father, Son, and Spirit. And guys, as long as our happiness and peace depends upon our external circumstances and for life to go the way we want it to, we're never going to find happiness or peace. We will forever be left in an endless pursuit after the next thing, the next adventure, the next relationship, with each one creating more and more distress. And friends, the unfortunate news is that there's always gonna be something in this life that we don't finish. There's always gonna be something we won't accomplish, that we won't get, that we won't be able to do. But the good news is that we can be confident in this one thing is that He who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Loving God with all of our souls sounds complex and complicated, but it's the initiation of God that draws us into him. It's the Holy Spirit ultimately doing most of the heavy lifting, and we just need to come with a posture of humility and openness to allow God into our souls to bring true transformation. So the practice for this week is to spend some time with Jesus through Ignatian meditation. So some of you guys may have heard of this, some of you may be totally brand new, but Ignatian meditation is where we ask the Spirit of God to help us in visualizing and living out a passage of Scripture, particularly from the Gospel accounts, to create a meeting with the Spirit and presence of Jesus Himself. So. The best way to the Father is through Jesus. And the more we know Jesus personally, the more we know the Father. Jesus is leading us to the Father's heart and he has given us a spirit. So, you know, it says here in John that, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned, I am coming to you. So with this practice with Ignatian meditation, I want you guys to, before starting this, ask the Spirit of God to lead you to a specific gospel account of Jesus. Do this in a time of prayer and stillness, waiting for a prompting. And after receiving a passage to pray uh, pray to the Spirit, asking to facilitate a meeting between you and Jesus, and just see what he does during that time. So to recap Ignatian meditation, pray to the spirit, ask him for a prompting for gospel passage. You get the gospel passage. Let's say it's Matthew being called by Jesus. Sit there prayerfully asking the spirit to just kind of visualize it, play it out. You know, are you one of the disciples? Are you one of the Pharisees sitting at the table? Are you, you know, are you Matthew himself? And just kind of let yourself play out this portion of the passage of scripture <clears throat> and my hope and prayer for the church is that you know we become people that are known for being a people who are deeply aware of this belovedness by the father the son and the spirit and that we're notorious for loving well guys what if we became a people who defied the ways of the world <clears throat> refused to live in a life of compromise and said yes to more of the spirit filling us daily moment by moment And what if we become people who are overflowing with living water so that his presence can spill out into the city streets and bring healing and renewal and restoration? What if we become people with surrender so deeply carved into our being that no matter what happens in life, we will not be shaken because our hope is in a foundation that is unshakable. So to close and to land the plane, finishing with a story. Some of you guys may know that prior to One City Church starting, I was on a sabbatical. I lost my job in 2020, like most people in the fitness industry. I was a trainer in a very bad time to be in the fitness industry during COVID. And at this point, towards the end of 2019, I was just at the peak of my career, you know, just a lot of recognition, um, known throughout nationwide, just in terms of numbers, like very high performing. I was basically in route to the American dream of nice vacations, nice home, nice paychecks and all that. And all the glory was to God, but there was a big part of me that was addicted to the approval and praise of others. Looking back, I see how restlessness was what was driving me to go and seek this, right? My heart was so restless. I was like, man, what's missing in my life? Do I need to become popular? Do I need to become more successful? Do I need to be in a relationship with the right person? Do I need to, you know, have a meaningful job and a nice car and own property, and then is, is life gonna be complete? One thing left to, led to another, and with every successful accomplishment or accumulation, I just found that I was more restless. I was just sent on this like rabbit trail on never-ending search for satisfaction and contentment. And I see now, looking back in hindsight, that, like Augustine, God wasn't willing to allow anything to grow sweet to me except for him. So then 2020 happens, I lose my job, I have a lot of time to thank, and towards the end, uh, right around the fall, he just renewed my heart, my calling for ministry. And I just remember making plans for 2021. I'm like, man, how am I gonna go about this? And I just really felt like God was saying like, Paul, are you willing to surrender productivity for a year? And are you willing to take a sabbatical and grow in actually knowing me? I've always been a risk taker, which has led me to getting into trouble and having near-death experiences. And I just felt like, man, I'm either the biggest fool for taking a whole year off to do this thing with God, or I or this is like something that I it's a no-brainer right and I just felt like man like this is a no-brainer like I want to grow closer to God and I wish that I could say that the sabbatical was the most peaceful zen deep contentment rest and relaxation but that would be far from the truth yes I did experience deep rest you know for not actually learning how to slow down but Honestly, it was months and months and months of just restlessness. I was like, man, I don't know who I am when my identity isn't attached to my performance or how much I'm doing. And to stop and to experience love without doing anything or measuring up to a certain standard was foreign to me. I didn't, I didn't understand it. I, I felt uncomfortable. And then during this time, I realized how I have a hard time being with my own thoughts and just being by myself and that my job and busyness was a perfect outlet to keep me going and keep avoiding my inner world because quite frankly i was afraid of what i was going to find if i stopped long enough the restlessness grew during this time as i realized how much i actually don't know about myself if you took away my job and my performance to tell people that i was taking a whole year off to spend time with god seemed like a Recipe for disaster of other people labeling me as lazy, unproductive, naive, and foolish. And as we grow in our discipleship and enter into our later years, I believe that we struggle less with the devil and we wrestle and struggle more with God. By sorting out and processing all the pent-up hurts, disappointments, and pains left me in a very vulnerable state where I finally let my walls down for the first time and God was able to allow his light and presence to fill the brokenness within me and actually start the healing process. And am I fully healed and perfect and completely content and not restless in life today? Absolutely not. Far from it. But more and more daily, I can't help but to be overwhelmed by the relentless, furious love of God that never stops engaging me never leaves me no matter how bad I screw up or how bad I think I'm doing with my spiritual commitments. And more and more I'm realizing all is grace. It's all grace. And as I continue to struggle and wrestle with God, as he continues to burn away my disordered desires and attachments, I hope that one day I will lose in this wrestling match and have my soul completely surrendered to him. And I know you know, maybe tonight something stirred within you where you're just like, man, I, I relate with you. Rivers of living water. Why does it not feel like there's more power to actually change me? Or maybe it was the loneliness that spoke to you. Like, man, I just feel like I am not seen or heard or known. Or maybe it's a new, new kind of stirring you feel where you're like, man, there is so much more. And if, if I'm being honest, I've settled for less and I actually wanna recommit and experience life and life to the fullest of Jesus. I don't wanna just make Christianity and relationship with God a dull habit. I want it to be a burning flame. So what I wanna do right now is just kind of end it with prayer, offer prayer for anybody who wants to come up afterward. And maybe you want that fresh anointing. Maybe you're like, man, I don't care what other people think about me. I'm just gonna go up and I'm gonna be like, man, I've asked for living water 10 times before. I'm gonna ask it again. You know so I would love to pray for you and we got a team up here that's gonna pray for you but let's pray father we just we just love you and we're just grateful God that, that you're kind that you are tender and that you are furiously pursuing our hearts father I don't know which part of the message spoke to you or passage of scripture spoke to somebody today but Holy Spirit I pray for fresh anointing right now I pray for fresh power to fill them right now, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just fill them right now, that they would just feel a tangible presence of power, purity, and love entering within them. Father, maybe some of us, we need to repent and confess our sins, recognize that we have fallen short and experience the grace and the love and the tenderness and the mercy. God, I pray for mercy upon those who are Repenting right now, and I pray God that you would change their heart Lord set their hearts aflame for a burning passion of you God God I pray right now that this community here will not just be a people that are known to pray well or to Serve well or to volunteer but that these people here become so radically wrecked and changed by your love that they become people known for loving well so father We just commit this time to you, our hearts, and I just pray a blessing over them, Father. God, may you shine your face upon them. May you keep them and may you bless them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for...